Philemon, not willing, will be chapter uh, verse 17 and 18 tonight. We've been studying this wonderful little book about a runaway slave, runaway slave named Onesimus, and his master was Philemon. And last week we read where the Apostle Paul told Philemon that he was sending Onesimus back. Onesimus had been helping Paul at the prison where Paul was a prisoner of the gospel for preaching the gospel. And there Paul had led uh, Onesimus to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, in Onesimus now, being a runaway slave, Having uh, broken the law, uh, he fled from his master, and now he's running back. He's going to go back to him. Paul says, I'm sending him back to you. And so we, we saw last week how Philemon, being Onesimus' master, and Onesimus violating the will of his master, but now coming back home, it was a picture of you and me through the gospel being sent back to our Lord and our master, God. And so now he's sending him back. But Paul said, when I'm sending him back, I'm now sending him back as a Christian, no longer as a mere servant, but now as a brother beloved in the Lord Jesus. The slave was now the master's brother. Isn't that amazing? The slave was now the master's brother. And uh, so we saw last week that uh, the gospel always gives you more back in the end than what you lost in the beginning. With the new Onesimus returning home, Philemon was getting back a better man than the old Onesimus that left. Onesimus had violated his master's will. Onesimus had violated the law. Onesimus, as every one of us have done to God, had gone astray and turned to his own way, as Isaiah said, and doing his own will rather than the will of his master. So we learned last week that Paul sending the slave back to his master was a picture of Jesus sending us back to God through the gospel. And Philemon receiving the runaway slave who came back was a picture of the Father receiving us back who come to him as Onesimus did through the Lord Jesus Christ, his son. Now tonight, by God's grace, we're going to dig in deeper into this epistle. What we need to do tonight is see the basis upon which Philemon can receive Onesimus back. When I was a little boy, I remember I had this uh, this little doll, and you would pull a string, and as the string started going back in, you'd hear, and there'd be some recording. The doll would say something. Pull it back, and then it'd be something else. There's a little record in there is what it was, a little record. And, uh, and so I remember, though, thinking, what is making this doll talk? And being a kid, I had to tear that thing open. And I had to look at all the little mechanisms in there. I guarantee you, I bet Brother Billy did that. Did you do it when you were young, Brother Billy? 
Yeah, of course he did. You've you got to figure out how things work on the inside or you can't fix the car. And the same thing, well, I remember when I became a believer, I remember I told God, I said, Lord, I want to know how the gospel works inside and out. I don't want it to be some mystical fog. I want to know how the gears turn. I want to know what makes it work. And when you, when you, when it, when you see how it works on the inside, then as the saying goes, an understood gospel is a powerful gospel. And so what we want to do tonight is tear the stuffing back away from this story about this runaway slave going back to Philemon. And we want to watch the little record player spin around on the inside or as the, as the pistons turn. Uh, that's what he watches for soap opera as the pistons turn, as the crankshaft turns. That's what he watches. Him and Jess every day at lunch ate their sandwich and watch that soap opera. But uh, we want to see how it works. But before we move further into this book, before we pull back the stuffing, I want us to remember that Onesimus was in the wrong. And being a bondservant of Philemon, he probably had no means by which he could make up the wrong for which he had done to his master. I mean, if the slave was wealthy... And he could just pay Philemon what he owed. If he could just wipe any debt clean, then he wouldn't be a slave to begin with, right? In the Old Testament, when, when a slave needed to be redeemed, well, he didn't have any money. Somebody had to come along who had the money who could pay up, wipe the debt clean, and buy his freedom back. And so Onesimus had no money. He had no means to wipe away any indebtedness that he was obligated to, to Philemon and to buy his freedom. And that means Onesimus also, if you could think of this, it's, it, 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 not only could he not pay his indebtedness back, but it's not like he could also work off his offense. For, for example, let's say he flees Philemon, he runs away, he finally gets caught up with Paul in jail somewhere, becomes a believer. All that time, those are days that are gone that he was not working for his master. Now, he owes that time back to his master, Brother Doug. He owes that time. But when he comes back, how is he going to make that time up to his master? He owes him for every day because he's a slave. So it's not like he can put in two days in one day. He, he owes him for every day that he wakes up and puts his feet on the floor. So there's no way he can make up for the time he's lost. He just can't come back and work it off. And that's the kind of position that we're in with God, every one of us when we're born. Every one of us have all committed offenses against our God. And there is nothing that we can do to make amends for the wrong that we've done. We can't simply work hard for God and make up for any time we haven't worked hard for God because we're obligated to serve God with our whole hearts every day to begin with. We were created to serve God every day of our lives. 
So me serving God today cannot make up for the time that I did not serve him yesterday. Does that make sense? Like Onesimus, we all are debtors to our master, and we have nothing to pay. So since we are in the same situation that Onesimus was in, then the basis upon which Onesimus could be forgiven by his master and completely restored back to his master as if he had done nothing wrong, that basis will teach us the basis upon which we can be restored back to our master God as if we have done nothing wrong. So what we learn from the relationship between Onesimus and Philemon, that restoration that's going to take place, that we apply to ourselves spiritually between us and our master God. So look with me now, if you would, in verse 17. And let's see together tonight how poor, sinful bondservants can be fully restored back to their master as a member of the master's own family. Paul told Philemon, look now in verse 17, Paul told Philemon, if thou count me, therefore a partner. You see that? Watch the basis that's getting formed here between Paul and Philemon. Now, watch what's happening here as well. You've got Philemon over here. He is the offended party. You've got Onesimus over here. He's the offender. Okay, he's the offending party, and you have Paul in between. He's the mediator, Brother Doug, between the two, because there's only one God, and there's one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus, whom the apostle Paul is representing in this epistle. And so Paul is over here as a mediator. He's not excusing the wrong that Onesimus has done. Jesus doesn't excuse the wrong that we have done. Praise God. He propitiates the wrong. He atones for the wrong. He doesn't excuse the wrong or explain it away. And you never see him doing that for Onesimus here. Not once does he say, well, now he was having a hard time. Not once do you see him making any excuse for Onesimus. So here is Paul. And when you watch Paul talking to Philemon. I want you to picture Jesus talking to the Father. On your behalf. Because you are Onesimus. And here's Paul telling Philemon. Or here's Jesus as the mediator. Telling the Father. He says. If you therefore count me a partner. If thou count me therefore a partner. Fascinatingly, when Paul tells Philemon why he should receive his slave Onesimus back as fully forgiven, and not only fully forgiven, but part of his very own family, Paul doesn't start arguing the merit of the slave. He doesn't say he's a good old boy. Oh, he's he boy, he, he he's worth every bit of it. He doesn't start arguing the merit of the slave. Paul doesn't say, if thou count Onesimus to be a really good slave, that's not how he's starting it, is he? And Jesus doesn't tell the father, now if you think Brother Doug's a good fella, right? That's not what he does. If he did that, we, you'd be in a mess, wouldn't you, Brother Doug? I'd be in a mess. You'd be in a mess. 
Now, in fact, Paul never argued for Onesimus to be restored, uh, uh, mentioning Onesimus' merit at all. When Paul begins arguing the reasons why Philemon should be uh, 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 accepting Onesimus back and forgiving him, he doesn't argue Onesimus' relationship to Philemon. Paul argues his own relationship to Philemon. If you, Philemon, count me as a partner... In other words, Philemon, if you consider me and you to be partners, if you consider me and you to be joined together in a loving, holy fellowship together, and so now you see the basis upon which Onesimus is going to be accepted by Philemon here. It's going to be the strong and loving relationship that Paul and Philemon have with one another. You see what Paul's doing here? Paul is putting the valuable relationship that he has with Philemon on the line. If Philemon doesn't accept the terms of Paul's request concerning Onesimus, which is based on the relationship that Paul has with him, then it will destroy the relationship between Philemon and Paul. He's putting it on the line. Now remember, as Moses was a picture of Christ delivering the Jews out of their bondage to Egypt, so Paul was a picture of Christ delivering the Gentiles out of our bondage to sin. The Jews were in bondage to Egypt. Onesimus was in bondage to Philemon. We were in bondage to sin. And Moses delivered the Jews. Paul delivered Onesimus. Jesus, praise God, delivered us. Paul is giving the basis of Onesimus' deliverance. He said, if you count me as your partner, Philemon, and likewise Jesus gave the basis of our deliverance. Uh, if you'd look, uh, or remember rather, uh, in uh, 1 John, we just got through going through 1 John a, a few months ago, or a month or so ago. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, uh, the apostle John said, truly our fellowship, listen closely, truly our fellowship, and if you want to turn there, you can, but, or, or just put it in your notes, 1 John 1, 3, you can set it outside the margin here in Philemon 17, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus. And the same Greek word that's translated fellowship there in 1 John comes from the Greek word that's translated partner here tonight when Paul was speaking to Philemon. The Apostle John was literally saying that we have a partnership with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And our partnership with the Father is based on Jesus' partnership with the Father, just as Onesimus' partnership to be soon with Philemon is going to be based on Paul's partnership already. That's in existence with Philemon. See how that works? Paul said, Philemon, as far as Onesimus is concerned, 
If you count me to be your partner, look back in your text now in verse 17. If you count me to be your partner, receive him. How? Say it with me. As myself. Boy, that's good stuff. This is how it works, folks. You're watching the little record go, go around around the teddy bear right here. I love how the Holy Spirit puts epistles like this in the Bible. So he can just open it up for our eyes and let us see. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. Based on my relationship with you, Philemon, receive this poor, unworthy slave as if he was me. Treat him as you would treat me. Now I want you to listen to how Jesus interceded on our behalf to the Father. Just as Paul interceded on Onesimus' behalf to Philemon, it's in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. In verse 21, Jesus prayed for all of those who would come to faith in Christ. He prayed for all of the elect, quote, that they all may be one as thou, listen now, as thou, Father, art in me, And I in thee. You see what Jesus is praying? He's saying, I want the elect to be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. You see then, Paul asked Philemon to receive Onesimus as himself. And Jesus asked the Father to make us one with him and with Christ As the Father is one with Jesus. It's all based on the relationship of the Father and the Son. You see then that our relationship with the Father is based on the Father's relationship with the Son. And Jesus told the Father in verse 22 of that same chapter. That the glory which thou gavest me I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. Our relationship to God is based on Jesus' relationship to God. He's essentially praying here. Jesus is essentially saying, Father, if you count me as a partner, receive them as myself. This is the basis upon which we are accepted by God. The fact that God receives us as if we were Jesus, his son. In Romans 5.19, the Apostle Paul said that by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Why are we righteous based on Christ's obedience to the law? Because Jesus was righteous and God accepts us as if we were Jesus. Because Jesus can say to the Father concerning a sinful bondservant, Like me. Father. If you count me a partner. Receive him. As myself. So the first part. Of our reconciliation with God. Is that we. Are received. As Christ. Now there's a second part to that. And the second part of our reconciliation with God is that he, that is Jesus, 
was received as us. You got it? The first part is that we are received by God as if we were Jesus. The second part is Jesus was received by God or rather rejected by God as if he was us. That's the second part. Paul said, if you look now in verse 18, you'll see that second part. If he, talking about if Onesimus hath wronged thee, that is, if Onesimus has done you wrong, Philemon, if he has committed a trespass against you, Philemon, and if Onesimus has committed a trespass against you, and he had, just as we've all committed trespasses with God, right? Every one of us have. And Paul, like Jesus said, if he's wronged you, Philemon, look back in your text, or oweth thee ought. So the first part is, Philemon, if he's committed a trespass against you. How many of us have committed a trespass against God? We all have. We've all trespassed. We've all transgressed the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. We've all committed trespasses against God. And then he says, Philemon, if he owes you anything. He says, or oweth thee ought. If he owes you something, Philemon. And Onesimus did owe Philemon. He owed a debt to him that he could not pay. And we also, like Onesimus, owed God a debt that we could not pay. We owed God service that we did not perform. We owed God love and honor that we did not give. We owed God a penalty for our sins that we had committed against him. And Paul, like Jesus, said, if that man, Richard Fulton, if that man, Jim Ramey, if that woman, Pat Ramey, owes you anything, God, look back in your text, read it with me, put that on mine account. And God did. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He put it on Jesus' account. He put our sins on his account. He put Jesus' righteousness on our account. That's basically what we're looking at here. He says, first of all, Philemon, I want you to take this poor, no good slave and receive him as myself. What just happened? He's asking Philemon to take Paul's merit and credit it to Philemon. I'm credit to Onesimus. And now, Philemon, receiving Onesimus as Paul, he's taking Paul's goodness, putting it to Onesimus, and saying, I'll take you back like you're Paul. But there's an offense that still has to be reckoned here. So Paul says, and here's the other thing, the wrong that he's done you, well, you swap and you put that on me. Folks, that's exactly what Jesus has done with us. And it made everything square. It's filled, man, it's fixed it. This was foreshadowed for us in Leviticus 16, verse 21. On the day of atonement, when all the sins of Israel were confessed, on that day God said, the high priest, quote, shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat. In other words, God told the priest, whatever Israel owes me, put that on the goat's account. 
And that goat, the Bible explains to us later in the New Testament, represented Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross, it was as if he told the Father, If Pete and Michelle Lake have wronged you, Father, if Mark and Leah St. John owe you anything, Father, put that on my account. So the Father charged our sins to Jesus' account. And when Jesus said it is finished on that cross, he paid our account with God in full. And now because he is in partnership with God, seated at the right hand of the Father, so are we. Receive him as myself. Or as he said it in John 17, he in us and the Father in him. And that being so, we are all now made perfect in one. In the end, the relationship that Paul had with Philemon and the relationship that Philemon had with Onesimus were all the same. In the end, by the grace of Jesus, they were all made perfect in one. And by the grace of Jesus, those of us who put our faith in Jesus as our Savior and let him work that wonderful work that he did like Paul did for Onesimus, we all, by his grace, are made perfect in one with him as, as well. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. With that, we'll go ahead and close tonight with a word of prayer and be dismissed. And man, I tell you what, you open up the Bible. <laughs> oh, wow, I'm so glad I have a Bible. I'm glad I, I, talked, to, I talked to a man uh, this weekend, this past weekend. He's a preacher. He's a preacher. I talked to this man this weekend. It's really sad. I was talking to him about the gospel, talking to him about salvation. I was trying to give him my testimony. I kept talking to him about the cross. And this man gave me his testimony. It was so sad. He said, well, he said, when I got saved, I was laying in bed one night and I told God, Lord, I don't know how to come to you, but I'm going to do the best I can. He said, and the next morning I woke up. I swung my feet around, I put my feet on the floor, and I had this incredible peace come over me like I'd never felt in my life. And I told God, Lord, I don't know what happened, but don't take that feeling away. And that was his salvation testimony to me. A preacher, independent, fundamental Baptist preacher. And you sit there and you listen to that and you think, my goodness, no wonder. People are so confused. They don't know how the gospel works. He didn't know how to come to God. He didn't know what happened when he had a feeling. And what does that have anything to do with the gospel? Nothing. Nothing at all. Folks, I'm so glad we can open our Bibles up and take away the smoke and mirrors. Take away the cover and see the cross. Amen. With that, we'll go ahead and close with prayer. And uh, Brother Doug, why don't you turn your microphone back on, brother, and close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the word tonight, Lord, and we're so thankful for Jesus, Lord. Thank you for sending your only begotten Son, Lord, to die for our sins on the cross, Father. And 
Lord, we pray for those that don't know Christ, Lord. Lord, we want to pray for those pastors, Lord, that are out there teaching things, Lord, that's not true, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that you would open their eyes to the truth of the gospel, Lord, that Jesus died for our sins, Father, and he went to the tomb and was buried, Lord, and he rose on the third day, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that they would just communicate the gospel clearly, Lord, so others can hear it, Lord. And Father, we just we thank you for the safe passage here tonight, Lord, and bringing us here safely, Lord. And Father, we just pray as we go out throughout throughout the week, Lord, that you would just keep us all safe, Lord, and in good health. And Lord, we just pray that you would guide our thoughts and our words and actions, Lord, and just help us to glorify you in each and everything that we do say and do say, Lord. And Father, what a blessing it is to be able to come to church, Lord, and hear your word taught, Lord, in freedom, Father. And we want to pray for this nation, Lord, as things seem to be spiraling downhill faster and faster each and every day, Lord. We just thank you for the ability to come and hear your word, Lord. Father, we want to pray for those across the world, Lord, that don't get to hear your word in safety, Lord, and they have to hide, Father. We just pray that you would just keep them safe, Lord, as they try to hear your word, Lord, and to read your word, Lord. Lord, we just thank you and we love you so much, Lord, and we ask for safe passage as we go out our ways, Lord, and just pray that you bring us all back here this week, Lord, to Sunday, Lord, and to hear your word again, Lord, and to learn, Lord, just open up our minds to your word. Help us to learn, Father, and to take it with us, to hide it in our hearts, Lord. We just thank you and we love you so much, Father, and we ask you things this evening in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen.